Well, Michael, much like the Georgia State House of Representatives, the Disinformed Podcast cannot seem to make up its mind as to who all should be in the podcast episodes here. I see last week I was missing, and this week we've changed affiliations again here, and now Shane's gone, and it's just you and I. I that is that's very true. I mean, we vote people out, we vote people in, you know, like if you just look at the whole breadth of our podcast, we're a revolving door of, of cast members, so it's it's part for the course. Well, that's why I think a while back there, I, I said at the end of uh, you know this year or so, I could envision an in memoriam, you know, black and white <laughs> uh, slideshow there of previous hosts and whatnot. So I, I, mean, I saw technically the... <laughs> they didn't die; <laughs> they're just so... dead to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love our former hosts. All of them. That's right. Exactly. The hostess with the mostess. So I mm-hmm. saw the look of confusion in your eyes there when I said the uh, Georgia State House of Representatives. Are you not up to speed on the latest political news? Is this actually latest or did this happen a couple months ago? Because if it's latest and greatest, then I have no idea what's going on. No, it's uh, just just happened, uh, I think, a couple days ago here. So oh. an, an, a state representative... Uh, who was formerly uh, with the Democratic Party, is announced that she is switching affiliations and becoming a Republican. Oh. Um, yeah, which always fascinates me. Her name is uh, something like Mesha, Misha Maynard or something like that. So she's a... Well, first of all, in Georgia, she's an African-American woman switching affiliations to Republican. And her county, I think, where her where she represents... Uh, Biden won that with like 70% of the vote. Oh, so, yeah. So wow, that must have been a lot of money to be bought out like that. Yeah, that's I'm what just... I'm thinking. It's like so fascinating because, you know, this in 2023, it, the Republican Party doesn't scream like the, the party of uh, African American, well, of African American females in particular. And that's you know, fair. So to have, and, and especially when you're representing an area that was won by the current president with like you know almost three quarters of the vote uh kind of surprising you jump ship and switch teams see this is a sore subject for me because i reside in the area that we uh we considering myself as well elected kirsten cinema mm. uh to the senate and j- just to i mean to be fair to give a little bit of background arizona history she was part of she was affiliated with the green party if i recall correctly and if not Ah, we're a disinformed podcast, so take it as you will. But if I recall correctly, she was like she would protest in black block, like actually show up to protest, ready to throw down and stuff like that. So she was fairly progressive. Uh, and then as soon as she was elected to a place where she can start accepting money, oh yeah, all that went out the window. She's now like uh, a more of a centrist, uh, an independent, and you know, there's probably some people that would say, well, she was always like that. Uh, you know, either that, but like people elected her because she was in the Democratic Party, just like this person from the Georgia, you know, uh, state representatives or the Georgia State Senate. Um, she, she was elected because she was with that party. She had that party affiliation. And to switch like that, I feel should immediately go into some sort of like vote. Like, yeah. do you want to keep this person? Like, because once once I once we learned Kirsten Cinema for what she actually was, someone that just really likes 
uh, fancy spa dates, going on marathons, and just yelling at her aides to spend more money or something dumb like that. Um, I didn't want her in. Uh, I wanted someone to actually help the uh, the Democratic Party, not to just sit around and be like, well, I don't know if this is a good idea. You yeah, know, it, she's actually I was going to reference her because that, that's why I was curious about your opinion on this, because because <laughs> I knew that it would be a, a bit of a sore subject there, you know, since you've got some firsthand experience at it. This Ugh. sort of thing always fascinates me because like this woman in Georgia, for instance, she won her primaries. You know, she ran unopposed, right? Because you're the Democrat already there, you know, the incumbent. Yeah, exactly. So mm. you win your last two primaries unopposed. You win the election with like 65, 70% of the vote because you're representing a Democratic stronghold. And to your point, you know, people might not even necessarily be super familiar with her. They just see the D by her name and they're like, that's the party that supports the things that I'm after and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they vote for her. And that's what annoys me with this sort of stuff. And it's, you know, just a failing of the American political system in that, oh, yeah. you know, the, the people have elected a Democrat to represent them and support a Democratic, you know, agenda in that area. And now, because one individual who's supposed to represent her people, it's li- literally the House of Representatives, <laughs> is like, yeah, I don't feel like I want to do that anymore. You know, I'm, I don't know the specifics, no slander, but I, I would assume that some money must have been involved. There must have been some particularly good reason. I mean, you're a politician. You kind of, that's like par for the course. That's, isn't that in the job description? Like, must accept a bunch of money from random people. Well, people that give the most money. That's, you know, that sort of thing. And you're, no, you're right. You're definitely right. Like, if we were electing someone based off of them instead of, oh, they have the D. Poor choice of words. <laughs> oh, they, ha- they have the D next to their name or they have the R next to their name or, you know, some sort of third party, I guess, for the people that are very niche and like to support the Green Party or the other 400 some odd parties that are that actually technically exist within the American system, but have like maybe a couple thousand people at most. Um but yeah, yeah, like when they saw, oh, one person unopposed, she's a Democrat, I'm voting for her. I bet you a good chunk of her constituents didn't even bother looking at her uh, credentials. Well, yeah, but she represents also, Atlanta, so I'm sure that, you know, oh, I'm sure that they were just like Democratic, you know. Never mind. I almost started talking things about Cop City that I, I have no business talking about <laughs> because I am not from that area, nor am I even close to being a. Uh, that area but yeah no uh because i i'll definitely admit admit that has happened to me especially for a lot more local things to vote for like uh, what was the corny ass phrase that i always vote blue no matter who that like that kind of thing that a lot of liberals throw out there is like oh well we gotta save everything about the we gotta save democracy vote for the democrats don't look at who they are just they have a d next to their name they'll help you out i promise uh, and so it's very frustrating and, and, and it explains why not a lot of people care to vote, uh, because like no matter who we vote, people are just going to be corrupted by the system because it's all about giving that money, especially after something like Citizens United. But this this technically isn't uh, a political podcast. We kind of get on here on occasion to rant about some things politically, but uh, we're supposed to be funny. It's well, not. It's not my strong point. I, I'll admit, I'm not funny at all. But um, <laughs> well, yeah. that, you know, I mean, in some ways, I think we're talking about the greatest joke that there is. 
<laughs> you know, that, no, that, that was good. That was good. 10 out of 10. Uh, a real banger of a joke right there. The American yeah. political system. <laughs> yeah. I This stuff just gets under my skin so much just because it's so hypocritical, right? It's, well, for starters, if nothing else, you would I would expect somebody to do something. Again, this is – I don't agree with this either. But if nothing else, at least go independent, right? Because then you can argue, well – you know, I don't fully find myself in alignment with the Democratic Party or whatever, right? Um, but you, but to just completely switch teams, it's like, well, that's the, that's literally the 180 of the people that voted for you. And then the other thing that really annoys me, especially with stuff like this one, it's like, you know, two year election terms, right? I'm like, you, you just ran last year and won. Stick with what you've, what the people elected you for. And then in the next election, say, you know what? I'm changing teams. I'm going to run for a Republican and then see if the people follow you. But you know <laughs> that they won't. So you no. do it midterm so you can cash in, make the money and whatnot. Because if anybody had any real like self-respect and actually cared about the process, then they, <laughs> that, that, yeah, exactly. Then they would either a wait until the next election and say, Hey guys, I'm now running as a Republican. I hope you'll still support me, et cetera. Or, if they really feel like this is a moral issue, which is, I think, what she referenced it uh, being for her, that this was a moral issue. Um, if she really feels that way, then she would step down and, like, try to push for, like, a special election, like, in the midterm here. So that – and then she could run as a Republican and say, you know, now she can go in with the votes if she was reelected, right? So this kind of stuff just annoys me because it's like we're just at the whims of, like, people that – ultimately are just going to be selfish and look after themselves in their own bank check, you know, like their, their uh, bank accounts. It's almost like we shouldn't be relying on hierarchies to dictate our lives. But, you know, that's that's me being a little too spicy for, for the Internet at the moment. Uh, I, I, I don't want the feds coming knocking on my door. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, when when we rely on people that have faults and are easily corruptible to to lead us, especially people that don't we don't know on a personal level, it becomes a little difficult and when they do whatever they feel is necessary, which is usually not in our best interest, usually being never in our best interest, we usually get, uh, you know, upset because it's like, hey, I elected you for a specific reason or I elected you because I thought you were the best choice. Why are you going against my wishes? And it's because we're not electing a set of ideals. We're electing a person that is easily corruptible. And I say easily as in. Very easily corruptible because money is, you know, money talks, throw in whatever sort of idiom you want about money. Uh, so it becomes difficult. <laughs> it becomes very difficult to try and be like, well, this person was a paragon of virtue, you know, uh, and it's it, you're right. It's it's a whole stupid system. But uh, I'm going to stop myself from getting spicy uh, because well, uh, we, we can't, uh, <laughs> yeah, we well, on the bright side, we can't be too hypocritical here or, or or cast too many judgments because much like the uh, representative here from the great state of Georgia we here at the disinformed podcast also just do whatever we want because what we typically do at the disinformed podcast is tell tall tales to one another <laughs> <laughs> oh no no no! Keep going. I, I wasn't gonna say anything. No, you 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 found the bit. You found the rope. You found the ch the tether. Pull us back in. Well, Pull us back yes, in. I was just gonna say we typically tell tall tales to one another, mostly true, but sprinkling in those little you know lies here and there, and we rely on our co-host and you, the listener, to try to ferret out those lies. And uh, as Shane is so 
fond of saying, but don't worry, listeners, you know, we, we leave you with a little denouement at the end in which we clear it up and leave you, uh, the listener with all the facts and, and truths there so that, uh, if any of the lies squeaked by you as you were listening, you get caught up at the end. However, much like the uh, representative from Georgia there, we've just flipped the script <laughs> and we're going to do whatever we want to do. So tonight we do not have, and I know this is going to disappoint so many listeners, the thrilling conclusion to the Smedley Butler case. You will have to wait on the edge of your seat in Antissa. I'm not doing that bit anymore. <laughs> I, I was going to say we're, we, you know, we're leading on, we're edging, if you will, you know, edging for that thrilling climax. Uh, and, you know, we do that from time to time. I know I'm, I've definitely been guilty to that, uh, uh several times. Synanon is at least one that I can think of off the top of my head where I was like, ah, I can't finish this. Someone else, uh, help po- prolong the misery, if you will. So. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's always fun doing a uh, you know some free form on occasion. You know, talk about what's on our mind, and I can tell you what's on my mind. Ooh, a lot of sweat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just so you know, to fill in all the listeners here, um, and I'm not raising my arms too much because no one needs to see those sweat stains, even though this is primarily a audio medium. Uh, I. I, I live in New Mexico for the time being, and we are finally part of this heat dome that's stretching coast to coast, almost like Space Ghost for all those uh, millennials out there. Uh, and it's, I have to say, it sucks not having air conditioning or a fan. We are finally, we finally hit that triple digit, the triple digit life that I've grown so accustomed to from my home state of Arizona. And let me say that it should be against the Geneva Convention, uh, or should be part of the Geneva Convention, if you will, uh, to be this hot in a, in a climate, to have a climate this hot and to not have at least some sort of mitigation for heat. Cause it is disgusting. I can't sleep. Uh, except for swimming in a pool of my own sweat. And it is absolutely repulsive. <laughs> and trust me, I know it was repulsive for all of you to hear it. Trust me, it is worse every time I wake up. Yeah, I can, <sighs> you know, despite your valiant efforts to try and hide it, you can definitely uh, see it every time you raise your arm there, the uh, the hints of it. And you even have little random spots there where it's it's clear you're, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Most you're feeling times a little I- moist. <laughs> Most times on my drive home from work, I will get out of the car, go to the bathroom, and I'll just have a nice seatbelt sweat stain, just perfectly, almost like it was branded on my shirt. I will go out of my way to avoid wearing multiple different colors of shirts. Like, I can't wear a lot of dark colors because the sweat stains will poke uh, poke through. Uh, you can't wear things like gray, even though I am wearing a gray shirt for those who can't see, um, because it pokes out. It, it's It's immediately immediately visible uh when you are sweating through your shirt and before all the people are like wear an undershirt you know wear a pull-on shirt or or, you know something that helps soak up you know wick the sweat i've tried i've i've mentioned this before i've tried it doesn't it doesn't help it just soaks through i i am a font of sweat and nothing will cure me of that well at least you're clearing your stuff out because God forbid <laughs> it gets trapped in you. You do not want to go the way of Lisa Marie Presley. 
she died by sweating too much. She didn't die. Well, no. See, you're you're getting this stuff out through your pores. She died. It just the cause of death just came out uh, the other day as well, like or today, I think actually. Oh. Uh, she died from a small bowel obstruction. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. I almost was like just like your father, but no, no, no. He died on the toilet. That's right. Uh, yeah. He didn't die because of the toilet. It, it Two was, totally it, different things. Well, he was almost also going to die from the small bowel obstruction, but he pushed hard and he rallied he the troops. Yeah, that's right. And he managed to unobstruct his small bowels, but unfortunately. <laughs> With his dying breath. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> At least I won't shit myself when I die. Yeah. Uh. So poor Lisa Marie was full of shit right until the end. <laughs> but I mean, I, honestly, I can't really comment on her because I don't know anything about her life other than she was the daughter of Elvis, so... Well, and she was married to the King of Pop. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was another fact that I distantly recall. Ethers of memory, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting there, all the little tales and tidbits there. So I've been kind of interested in various like pop culture things more so as of late, just because I've been on a real like Curb Your Enthusiasm binge watch. I'd never watched it all in its entirety before it only caught sporadic episodes here and there. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> can you can you guess? Based off of my prior uh, experience with things. So clearly not, but uh so no. <laughs> yeah. So what's fascinating about it is I identify if you ever do watch it, uh it, it's it's hilarious. It, it's it's honest. It's so I've worth heard. watching. No, I've uh, heard. I've heard. I identify so much with Larry David. It is like this guy gets annoyed by like the smallest minutia of life. It's a really fantastic show. He's basically playing a fictionalized version of himself. Larry David yeah. is one of the co-creators of Seinfeld. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and the character—I I forgot why he was important. Yeah, and the character of George in Seinfeld is essentially like Larry David. It was his like fictionalized version of himself for Seinfeld. Mm. And uh, so, curb your enthusiasm. I think it started in '99, so right after uh, Seinfeld went that off. Long? It's yeah. still airing, though, isn't it? Or Correct. did it finally finish? No, yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's still airing. There's another season coming out. I th <laughs> there's talks that this might be the last one, but it's also uh, a show that has taken like huge breaks. Uh, yeah, in yeah, because it's uh, FX, if HBO. I recall correctly. HBO, okay. Yeah. So they do whenever they damn well feel like it, which is honestly fine. I feel like I'd rather someone take their time, and if they take multi years for uh, between seasons, that's all right, as opposed to like forcing it, you know, squeezing it out on the toilet and maybe having a heart attack while doing so. Yeah, like he gets so let obsessed. it be gentle. Yeah, the, Larry David's character he gets so obsessed with like small little things and then like just blows them out of proportion and and everything. And uh, and I just I I watch that and like the in in the show in the universe of the show, so many he's like so irritating to so many people. Uh, just because he focuses on these things and he like really just like becomes obsessed with them. And every time I'm watching one of these damn episodes, it makes me wonder how I'm perceived in the world because <laughs> almost every time as I watch it, I'm like, well, he's fucking right. <laughs> he's just saying what we're all thinking. I mean, fuck. Yeah. Like they're like the episode I was watching earlier today, for instance, you know, he goes to the washroom and, uh, 
And so he goes to lift the, the toilet seat there so he can, you know, do his business standing. And the uh, toilet seat keeps starting to fall back, right? Like it's, it's one of those ones that doesn't stay all the way up. It starts to fall back down and you don't want to have a, a seat falling midstream, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because then <laughs> yeah. you're crossing the stream with the seat and you never yeah. want to cross stream with anything because it exactly. giant massacres. Exactly. Yeah. So like I'm right off the bat, I'm with him. I'm like, yeah, that's annoying. And you see him trying to like, find a way to do his business without touching the stuff. Right. Cause he's a bit of a germaphobe there. And I'm like, all oh, right, okay. I'm, I'm on board with all this. And then he, uh, he goes and he talks to, cause he was, he was at the Netflix headquarters there trying to pitch a show. And he goes and he talks to like the, the head honcho there and says, by the way, the seat was, uh, was broken there. And you know, uh, if you could get somebody to work and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to the maintenance there and I'll get them to fix it. And then, you know, fast forward some time and he's back for another pitch, another meeting. And uh, goes to use the washroom. The thing's still broken, and he's like, "I thought you were going to talk to the." And so, and then it just starts like becoming a big thing because he thinks that the guy's lying. Like, yeah, you said you were going to talk to him, but I don't think you did talk. Why would the maintenance guys lie? And it's just like that kind of shit is the stuff that I would think of. I'd be like, "That son of a bitch told me he was going to talk to the person and never did." <laughs> How many other lies have I been told by the council? That's Man. right. I am so impressed with your ability to avoid movies and general pop culture things. Like, it is I, impressive. Because uh, it I, just makes me, like, I wonder what you do in your time. And I just picture you, like, sitting and reading, you know, like, heavy text and writing things at, like, a desk with a quill. And I don't know. Like, I just pick, if you're not, the like. What kind of person do you think I am? Well, somebody that's not quill? watching movies and listening to music or watching TV. So then I'm like, you know, I just picture you on some sort of pedestal. There's some ultimate scholar that isn't, you know, I can't be bothered <sighs> to kill my brain cells with this trivial knowledge. I, f- I fucking wish. I wish <laughs> I was that cool. I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near that cool. No, I, <laughs> I. I don't utilize my time well for entertainment, if that makes sense. I usually do a lot of work, as someone that has a million jobs would understand. Uh, I, Whenever I am not doing this, because I do put a lot of time into this podcast. Of course, that's true. Don't look at the quality. Okay, that's not my fault, even though I am the editor and a, a host and all that stuff. But I do put time into it. And then I also have several other jobs, like they might come and go depending on the time of year, et cetera. But so whenever I do have free time, I don't utilize it to its extent, to its fullest, because I usually am brain dead and I like to just zone out. So sometimes we'll go get drinks at a nearby bar and we'll play board games there. Other times we might play the odd game that we've been playing for a long time, you know, but we never sit down and like, all right, we got. 35 minutes we can watch an episode of something let's go and i feel like i know that most people aren't like that but i always am mystified by how much media people can consume in the same amount of time that they have compared to myself because it's not like i'm working 60 hours a week doing stuff i definitely am not that even if you were to total every odd weird thing i do I still should have plenty of time for watching what's new on TV or, you know, stuff like that. But I don't. So it is very fascinating that so many people are like, well, I watched the last, you know, season. It came out last week. I watched the whole season of whatever is hip and, you know, hip with the youths or whatever. And I'm like, I haven't watched it at all. And I feel like that's also that. I mean, that's a reflection on myself. 
uh, because apparently I don't time, I don't plan my my entertainment ahead of time. But because even though Shane isn't here, I still feel the need that I have to specify this. I did take that challenge seriously that was made last week, and I actually did watch Renfield that night. Nice. Because I'm not going to give up my green chili from Santa Fe. That's right. Uh, because God is fucking fantastic. Um, did you I love it? Have, uh, yes. Yes. And, and I knew I would. Uh, so I'm not going to do a lot of spoilers for Renfield because, like, I mean, there's not really a lot of spoilers if you think about it. It's uh, Nicolas Cage is, a, is, is Dracula, right? Uh, Aquafina is a cop. Uh, I can't remember the main character's name, but he's he's good. I recognized him from Warm Bodies to just throw yeah. out a, a wild movie from from Aeon, eons ago. Um, absolutely loved that movie. It was a it was a bizarre movie. I don't know why I enjoyed it so much, but I loved it. Warm Bodies. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, but with zombies. It's, it's really fascinating. Good. Yeah, but anyway, absolutely fantastic cast of people. Um, they cast everyone perfectly. I feel like Aquafina perfect for a role. I think his name is Nicholas is the main actor uh who plays Renfield. Absolutely fantastic, perfect for his role. Nicholas Cage he's just a perfect man. Well, I love him. yeah, and like we've uh, mentioned before, you you can definitely tell when he cares and he he definitely cared about this. He was Oh, yes. He was there. He, he showed was, up on set that day. He was not calling it in. The last time I had seen him acting that bombastically was uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, mm-hmm. which was kind of like his, uh, the fake approach, a Nicolas Cage approach to a biopic, which had nothing to do with any with his life at all. But he played himself. Uh, and that's all that matters. Um, also a fantastic movie. Uh, but Renfield was the Shane put it pretty succinctly. And I agreed with it 110 percent. It was the perfect amount of camp and gore. Yeah. Uh, and and, and the, the goriness of it contributed to the camp, and the campiness of it contributed to the goriness of it, and it was just the perfect combination. And it was something that you didn't really expect to see with its genre. Like, when you hear Dracula, you're either thinking, you know, not necessarily medieval, but like 1800s, Victorian era, like where, uh, you know, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula actually took place. Or you might be doing something that's more gothic uh, in nature, almost uh, not a cyberpunk, but um, a steampunk of sorts, but more modern day. Something like Constantine, Um, even though Constantine, at least the movie, doesn't necessarily feature vampires. It is still in that sort of similar vibe where it is, you know, the seedy underbelly modern day where there are these supernatural elements. There could be vampires. Yeah. no, it, so it, it have, did a really good job of like dipping its toe in multiple worlds and having a, a good balance of everything in mm-hmm. order to to come out with a, a great final product. So I'm glad I'm glad that you were able to to see it and get to keep your green yes. chilies going. Oh and, yeah, uh, and your guys is like I said off air. Uh, your guys' conversations regarding the Flash was also just great to listen to. I'm uh, <laughs> I, fair. I'm so glad that yeah. Shane got to see it. I still have not. But at this stage, I've kind of given up the dream on that. I'm just waiting for it to hit the streamer here. 
before I finally get to it. But I also have already had everything like spoiled at this stage because I just I couldn't wait. You know, you know that's fair. It. You were the one that revealed the Nicolas Cage of it all, if you will. Um, well, so. that I was under the like I wasn't sure if it was real or not. And then Shane, of course, you know, now has confirmed that it is. So that's I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing it. And then I've since learned that like George Reeves is in it, like the 1940s or 50s Superman. Um, there's a brief like cameo with him in it. And then I think Adam West's Batman is also briefly seen in it. Pretty much everyone that was dead, that who is dead, that couldn't say no was featured in it in some way, shape or form. Um, I feel like there's only a few people that were able to, that outright said, no, they didn't want their, uh, a cameo. And I think, um, Chris, uh, Chris, Christian Bale. I almost said Christopher yeah. Bale. I don't know why. But Christian Bale said that he didn't want to. And that was the only one that I knew off the top of my head that did not want that uh, a cameo of it. I don't know if they asked George Clooney, uh, the best well, Batman, he, uh, aside from Adam West in well, my he eyes. He literally did come back. And it's like not just a CGI version of him, I believe. I believe it's actually the actor. Clooney? Yeah. He's. You're what? not aware he's in it? No. Yeah. I guess I was... I, I, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, because like it's the same universe. I guess you, uh, people could correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, and Clooney. Yeah, exactly. I like. I don't the know. The Batman if that's still true. continued. Yeah, really? I, yeah, I don't think Clooney's is part of that same universe. I think Kilmer's is. I think Val Kilmer's is the same Batman. Uh, or is meant to be the same Batman in the same universe because he just subbed in for what was supposed to be like Michael's third film. But I yeah. think George Clooney's, I don't think they've, I don't think they said definitively one way or the other, but since mm. everything is just so drastically different, you know, I, I, sus- I would imagine not, but I guess it could be. I mean, we're not really seeing any repeat of the bad guys, so it's not like we've recast a, a bad guy, but. Mm. Yeah, I guess it. I guess that's that's fair. I never really gave it thought since I figured that they the sequels occurred, you know, one after another. Yeah, they replaced the Batman, which they had already set that standard with Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Uh, but like, I figured that bringing uh, like having Clooney in was just they were replacing the actor, not necessarily the Batman, so to speak. Well, yeah. So I, that that might have just been an assumption on my part. Yeah, because like I know. I know that Michael was Michael Keaton was supposed to come back for the third film. And then, you know, obviously there was the change up with Burton and him and, and whatnot. Um, but so then Kilmer was coming in. So the original idea for this film was, I believe, still put forward with Michael Keaton in mind. Right. So I know Kilmer's is like, OK, this is still the continuation of that general story. Yeah. And it's still kind of like a darker overall movie and stuff, right? It's more gothic and in, in, yeah, in so, a way. So it's still more fitting and in, in, in alignment with the, the, the Burton films. Uh, whereas the Clooney film is like such a drastic departure in terms of visual and tone. So that to me, it's like, this doesn't fit in that universe anymore because it's just such such a, a wild shift. It's no longer just a recasting of the actor, but keeping it in the same general tone and vibe. It it just looks different, feels different, is different. Was uh Batman and Robin was that still Burton? No, was that still Tim Burton? It wasn't. No. Okay, no, no it was Schumacher, right? Yeah. Okay. Good old okay. Joel. That, you're right. You're right. That. I always forget that they did switch directors and they went to Schumacher for it. Um, 
and I because I always forget that it was switched to Schumacher, I always assume it was Burton, which would lend credence to my idea that it is a sequel. So that could be uh, that 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 makes a lot more sense that it's a lot more difficult to perceive it as a sequel in part because, yeah, the a lot of the aesthetics have changed and it is also a different actor and it is also a different director. So that that's fair. Yeah, you're going. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really did en- enjoy the whole conversation that you all had, especially, uh, you know, you guys touching on Doctor Who and Star Trek. I like that you brought that up. Oh, the t- the time travel stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's you, fair. And you mentioned, uh, well, like the Voyage Home, like the the one with the whales, and and them so using that, that. That's a band reference because uh, little, very very tiny background. I was part of a fraternity as an undergrad. Uh, a musical fraternity and one of the families within that fraternity, you know, bigs, littles and all that stuff, they were based off of star Trek. And so one of their, the family, the group's favorite movies was, uh, you know, voyage home, but they always referred to it as the one with the whales in part because, you know, if you know, you know, so I always forget the name of the, the movie. I always know it's the fourth one. Sure. But if you were to ask me like right off the street without any sort of, preamble like what it's called i would always say without a doubt the one with the whales because that is just that was what was ingrained in my mind because leading up to that point i never watched star trek well you're not you're not alone i mean even a lot of star trek fans that's how they'll refer to it oh really okay so then it wasn't like just a localized thing correct that's just a lot of people would refer to it as such okay so or the nuclear vessels yeah so you're that's the only other reference you're not alone there the only thing i thought was kind of cool is um you know you're referencing them the way they traveled in time you know use the slingshot with the sun and all that they that actually didn't originate in the film that's no it was it was an episode there was at least one or two episodes uh from the original series yeah, that utilized the gra- yeah the gravitational slingshot which uh that one also i did a little research into as well because they had received transmissions from a ship that was about to go or that had already gone forward in time. Right. If I recall correctly, it's a trope that a lot of uh, science fiction has utilized since that episode came out because it was such a riveting uh, storyline where they get a transmission. They're like, Oh no, Oh no, they found it dead. And then they meet the, the, the ship before it does the slingshot and they die. Right. Is that the, that was the plot, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly? Yeah, yeah. As in, they, they meet, they meet a derelict ship and like, oh no, how did this happen? Right, right, right. And then right. they meet the ship before it goes back in time. They're like, wait, no, don't. And then they have that conversation about time travel. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I love all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's always so interesting to see the way different, uh, genres do it. That's why I loved, you know, time is, you know, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, all that jazz. Cause it's such a, I love the hand waving of it. Cause like you guys were talking about last week, it's like, just don't, don't, don't try to tell me how you've done it. Just, I'm already buying the premise of like aliens and starships and time travel. So, it's why I'm here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you, you've already got me. So you don't have, don't try to explain it to the point where now I'm like questioning it where I'm like, Oh, well, hold on. Now I'm getting pulled out of this. It's like, no, I'm on board. Just give me a, just tell me it's happened. Give me the faintest veneer of a reason and let's move on. <laughs> So with that in mind, and with your, because uh, I wanted to ask Shane this last week, um, but with you and your, you know, really good, I, I won't say encyclopedic, though, correct Definitely me if not. I'm wrong. Okay, cool. With your almost encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek, what is your opinion on inertial dampeners? Do you know that? 
that well, story with the uh, well, Star Trek? Well, I'm aware of inertia. What story, though? What are you referring so, to? So the idea was that a lot of... So if you look at the first, I think, maybe season or two of the original, uh, the original series, and actual viewers of the show can correct me in the comments, you know, engage, all that stuff. Um, they never explained initially why they were able to, uh, able to come out of near light speed or light speed almost immediately. Um, and so a lot of people would write to the show saying how, why weren't they just, you know, splatters on the windshield. And instead of just saying, because fuck you, that's why, uh, some of the writers of Star Trek were like, well, they have inertial dampeners and that's why they're able to come out of a light speed and, you know, come to a halt real quick. And, and that's why, because they had these, this cool physical concept, techno babble, as you will. Right, right, right. Um, and so I just wanted to know your opinions on, if that makes sense to try and explain it that way or just say it's a show, shut up and enjoy it. Well, no, I, because I, so I, I wasn't aware that there had been like a write in, you know, issue with that. Uh, although it's not surprising, but, um, <laughs> but no, I'm, I think that's a great reason because like, that is what I was just saying that, that is that thin veneer of, Give me a reason why, like a thin veneer why, and let me just move on. I don't need to get into the weeds. You don't have to tell me the technical s details behind it and how exactly it does what you're saying it does. Somebody's asked a question. You've answered the question. Sounds legit. Like, it's plausible enough where I'm like, okay, I'm on board. And now we can just move on. You know, and that, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, uh, because, and, and you kind of bring up a good point that like kind of tickled something in my brain my neuro spicy brain as it as it were um when when you watch something when you voluntarily watch something as um, opposed to involuntarily it, when they tie me down to the chair and do the whole uh, you know, yeah, the, <laughs> eyes yes. spreading open yeah mm -hmm. yeah the clockwork orange of it um when you voluntarily watch something you are already trying to engage with it and that, this is this is me just dipping into my knowledge of uh fan not necessarily fan fiction but fan works and engagement with the medium as as a whole when you agree to watch something and voluntarily watch it you already are signing up almost writing a contract as it were that you are trying to engage with this uh medium or this story this fiction as whatever star trek you know they're in a ship. They're going to go faster than the speed of light or else you're going to be watching them just traveling for six years before they get to the nearest sun. Of course. Right. There's, there's Same thing certain like beaming down. Like I need, you know, I'm, I'm on board with that because I need, I don't want to spend every episode seeing them get into a shuttlecraft and driving the shuttlecraft down and all that. Let's just get there, you know. Exactly. Right. There's things that you are willing to just not think about just to progress the plot. It's almost like if you, rec uh, I don't know if you had ever played the original Mass Effect or something similar, but every time you travel to another planet, there would be a loading screen where you're flying to this planet. If you were getting into the Land Rover that would travel around the planets that you didn't necessarily interacted with as a, um, as your character, but just as the Land Rover, you would always have the Land Rover leave the ship and land on the ground as a loading screen. And like, you don't want to see that in a show. Like, granted, this is a little different for video games because you do need loading screens and most people would rather see, you know, the ship coming or the, the Land Rover of sorts, the Mako, for those that <laughs> do know what that is, uh, coming out of the ship and landing because you'd rather stare at that than a blank screen while you see the loading, right? 
But for a show, you don't need to load it. It's already produced. It's already airing. It's already being broadcast. Right. So you don't need to see these little things where it's like they're time filler of sorts. Right. So you can always engage with the, you know, the people enjoying the media in that way. Like we have teleporters. And yes, it is a fun exercise to be like, well, what happens when you teleport? You know, what happens when you're traveling that? But that's something that is you engaging with the medium, not necessarily asking them, like writing to the, you know, the the producers, the writers and saying, well, how, what happens to their bodies when well, they that, teleport? But that dialogue it's, can be good. Some of that it back can and forth. Be. Because it, yeah. it, like, like I was saying, I, I want a, enough of an explanation where it seems plausible. So it doesn't feel like you're insulting my intelligence. Uh, but I also don't need you to get so into the weeds of it that either a, as a potentially a casual viewer, uh, my eyes are glazing over. Cause now this is just too in the weeds and I don't care. Or B, as maybe a non-casual viewer, somebody that's heavily into it, now you've given me too much information where I'm like, well, this doesn't make any damn sense because that, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. You've, get, you've given me too much detail, so now I know you're wrong. But that, that, that dialogue of not just me engaging in a one-way communication with the show, but actually like, you know, be it writing letters in or hopping on social media and having that feedback is good too because it spawns uh some new creative paths right so like to the point of the transporter right they've gave a kind of a brief understanding of what it was but then that brief understanding and the questions that might go along there with uh can result in some really great storylines for things that happen right like you've got like a voyager there with a you know, uh, two Vix, you know, like through the transporter, kind of like the two people getting merged into one, uh, through the transporter. You've got, uh, you've got Scotty showing up on next generation because he's just been stuck in a transporter buffer because he realized he was going to die potentially. And so the way he was able to preserve himself was keep his pattern in the buffer. And you know, that, that sort of thing, then you can have like these really cool stories. And, um, but even then, you are still, you're not just explaining, you're not just doing exposition, you are utilizing, you are telling these, you know, the school, you know, science facts, if you will, in a way that still is leading to stories or engaging with this medium in, in, in the in the way of like, well, I could just sit here for 15 minutes and explain to you the intricacies of quantum teleportation and throw quantum into a couple more, you know, words where you quantumly touch the quantum computer and you quantumly your uh, quantum atoms are quantum disassembled and quantumly teleported. That's right. And then at the tail end of that, you do a giant quantum leap. Good reference. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like you could do that, but no one is interested in that. It's more of a show, not tell. Right. There, there is some interesting things that could happen, especially when you give a little bit of information almost as a teaser of sorts where, yeah, your atoms are deconstructed and copied and teleported down to the surface. Okay, well, what happens to the original ones? Well, what happens if the teleporter goes wrong and instead of you getting disassembled, there are other atoms that are sent down to the surface, but you're still there too. So mm-hmm. what happens in that? That's still exploring, you know. Well, that and they and that exact thing has been brought up. That's how you end yeah, up with exactly. two writers. Yeah, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that is an interesting exploration of what is going on. You're still learning more about how teleporters work, but you're not just like, well, here's a 15 minute lecture, right? Let me let me write down on a board. I'll just pull up the whiteboard over here and I'll just start writing things down. Like here's the equation that 
Right. Here's the physical, you know, phenomena that that is utilized when you're teleporting and stuff. If people want that sort of thing, they can read layman's books on physics. Or if you really hate yourself, you can look at textbooks on physics and try and understand it that way. But people want to be entertained. Uh, and that's why we, uh, I'm coming back to us as well as a podcast, that's why we don't just sit here and be like, well, you know, in 14 or in 1943, uh, 10 British people invaded Norway with the express, uh, you know, uh, goal of destroying the one heavy water facility uh, that they were using for Germany's nuclear arms but program. little like, did they know Smedley Butler was there to kick their ass. <laughs> see, that actually would have been cool. Uh, Smedley Butler was uh, part of that operation in World War II. But, That's right. Ten, ten British, not enough, even if they were on horseback. <laughs> just send Smedley Butler in. He, it doesn't matter. He can lose another continent off his chest. It's fine. But... <laughs> Like that, that is a lot more interesting to engage with. When people want a story, they want to feel like they're engaging, that they're trying to interact with the story. That's why video games are so popular, because instead of just like being told something, you can interact with it. That's also why some stories like what makes a good story or a book or not is whether or not you can engage with it in some way whether or not you are left thinking when you put the book down, right? If you're um, just being told everything that's going on, like a textbook, I don't, I've, I, in my 13 years of college, and yes, I'm, I'm throwing that number out there. In, in my years of college, I have never put down a textbook and like, man, that was a good read. What about this? You, like, if I you never take history classes, I used to love my history textbooks. Well, and even then, you're still thinking, okay, that's. Not the point I was trying to make, but fine. <laughs> fine, you made a good point, you know, but even then you're still thinking about, like, it's still engaging with it in a certain way. Yeah, I bet there's people that have put down a physics textbook or a chemistry textbook, and it's like, well, what if I did this? What happens if this happens? What happens if this? And there is a way to engage with it. That isn't necessarily the point that I'm making. <laughs> but now that you brought up that point, I realized that the whole point I was trying to make was kind of thrown out the window. <laughs> you know what? I think... Just in terms of uh, college textbooks and stuff, and then you know, in terms of uh, what you're saying about engaging, I think, and there could be money in this, we could figure out a way to to monetize this. What if we could come up with a way of doing a, like a choose your own adventure, but for like the textbooks and stuff like, <laughs> you know, okay, like, I, <laughs> like, I, I'm going to let you cook. I, I, I want to hear, I want to hear this. Oh, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, you know, okay. Like, uh. <laughs> You know, Germany has invaded Poland. Uh, turn to page 47 if you think America should whatever and turn to page 92 if, you know, what, you know, like, like those old choose your own adventure and you got to flip around in the well, books and then, uh, you know, you, you just started World War Three. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> the only point that I would say to that is if they choose, like, you would still need alternate history unless, and I'm thinking about this, you could either, because now you got my brain going, you got the neuro spiciness activated, right? It's 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 going to be spicy in here. There's there's some jalapenos flying <laughs> around. What if instead, like you had, you know, what happened? So Germany and this other, like Poland have beef with each other, right? Turn to page, you know, 
X if if you think they're going to go this way, and it's actually an entirely different period in history. Well, so it could be that, but, uh, I, or, or, but I would say you don't need the alternate history. I think you could stick in the present. That's hit- what I'm saying. No, but I'm saying you don't even have to jump to a previous history uh, era, right? If you're trying to teach 20th century world history as an example, right? What I'm saying is like, okay, so like we're looking at Germany and Poland as an example, and Germany's invaded. Turn to page 47 if you think the Polish should, you know whatever, like hop on horseback and go attack the tanks. Uh, turn to page 92 if they should do something else. And then, oh, and then, and then when okay. You, it's yeah. different facets yeah. of and, what happened. It's still the same story. It's just you're actively engaging the reader with how they want to experience the story that unfolded. Exactly. Yes, and the then Calvary, the cavalry charge, the last, you know, the, the last of the winged hussars charging the tanks you know, if they were interested in that, sure. If they were interested in the more blitz blitzkrieg of it, yeah, and you uh, could or, and you could okay. you could set it up in a way in which hmm. you engage people of different interests as well. So if somebody's more of a like a geopolitical uh, student and not so much a particularly European history, you could end up having it. So these choices could now jump us as you like work your way through the thread, have us jump now and leave Poland and Germany just through the threads they've taken. So now we're finding out what's going on in Switzerland or whatever, because that could be one of the options of like, you know, it's somewhere along the line. So as they do the if then, if then, if then, we could end up working our way to like what's happening in Ethiopia during this time period or whatever, right? And But let the students funnel themselves there through their own interest and how they're choosing to answer some of this stuff. And the cool thing with this would also be you'd get very much like if you're anything like I was as a kid uh, with the choose your own scares and choose your own adventures, you'd get these students that would like be like, okay, that was pretty interesting, but I got to backtrack and I got to like, what happens if I had done this instead? You know, and then like now they're like scouring back like 10 steps, you know, in the if then process to go back and be like, I really debated about which one to go down there. If I went down this other one, where would that take me? Right. And then ultimately, very much like a lot of these uh, choose your own adventures did, there are multiple paths to get to the same end point, right? In a lot of that. And that would be sort of the same way here in terms of the multiple paths would have either a trail out and lead to like a dead end or result in them all kind of coming to this general conclusion of like, you know, world War two ends. And as we know it, the world progresses. Um, hmm. But yeah, I'm just, thinking. no, I, I, I like that, especially because it engages with the student, which is you, in order for people to learn, uh, you know, what's going on, like you have to be able to engage with the reader. That's why, we can make references to a movie that I haven't seen in over 10 years. The one, you know, the one, the whales, you know, and that sort of thing, because it was, I, I engaged with it. I enjoyed it. I remember that a lot more than the couple of scientific papers that I read earlier today, right? Because I was able to engage with it. That is a good idea and a good way to have people learn stuff for school or for enjoyment, right? Uh, because it also engages with the student or with the person, the 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 person engaging with the medium, um, it 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 has them engage with it in their own their own way that they learn because there's multiple different ways to learn. I, I'm not going to get into the weeds of it or the specifics of it because a lot of that is still up for debate. It's not necessarily the most scientific in some regards because it all depends. Like, well, what's your personality or how are you tactile? You know that sort of thing. But like. The most basic thing I will say is that people learn differently depending on their mindset, which is probably the safest, you know, <laughs> assertion to make. 
but it's not wrong. Like you and, you know, the next person, the person sitting next to you in class, the person sitting on every single dimension in class, every single direction, they're all going to learn differently. And so by having these sort of choose your own adventures, choose your own way to engage with this sort of historical context, or even, even you can do that with the sciences, uh, because you can like, you can explore, like you start with say velocity, and then you can either dovetail into something like and uh, energy, which is related, or impulse, which is related, uh, or even electromagnetism, which is also related to you know velocity and, and oh, just and make be your some way. Great ones with like biology and evolution, and like going yeah, down exactly. the different paths of like you mm-hmm. know pre there. Yeah, yeah, there like there are ways to change how things are taught. Uh, through literary, just the literary medium to help engage with people and make them more interesting. Oh, I'm smelling right? money uh, here, Michael. The Disinformed oh, Podcast yeah. presents. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, I, let me let me add an extra six hours to the day so that I have time to start that project. Uh, yeah, but no, it's it, it's still a good point. And, and this is something I've talked about before. I'm not going to go on to a whole education rant because I, I fucking – they, people know that I've done this many times before. I was trying to remember who the deity of this flying spaghetti monster. Satan knows. I'll go with Satan. Satan knows I've done that plenty of times. Um, but like, it's all about trying to get education is, is fundamentally not the, how education is taught in the United States is it, not good. It's outdated <laughs> by at least a couple hundred years because the whole point in at least the, the mass education that we've experienced, you and I, as as millennials uh was all about like here you need to understand how to write a check and you need to understand how to read and do basic arithmetic so you can go off into the mine slash go off into the factory and make clothes for a living for the rest of your life right we don't we weren't taught on how to actually survive as adults in the modern era i know that and i if use you cursive were, every single day <laughs> i'm so glad i wasted so many hours of my life learning cursive I don't know if they ever took that away uh, in, in the school systems that you have been exposed to, but they actually did cut cursive out from Arizona's education system uh, not too long after I at, while I was in there. So that is, but in, and also, but also on the other hand too, they t- they stopped teaching analog clock reading. So uh, technically, no one in the education system now in Arizona was would be taught how to read an analog clock do they need that no is it pretty easy to understand yes if you have any sort of inkling of how time operates you could probably try and read it right but it's just something that like it's all lecture based right and that's not some people learn from that and that's great for those people like it's it's fantastic but for most of us people that fall asleep within five minutes of a lecture because they have ADHD. Um, I'm not pointing, I'm not naming names myself, uh, but uh, for just lecture-based things, it's not as engaging for most people. Like in order to get around that issue that I might or might not have had as an undergrad in college, I wrote down everything that was there. And I did that for every single class. Is it useful? No. Do I have a boatload of uh, notebooks that I have to throw away periodically because I'm taking up a whole bookcase of them? Yes. 
Um, because I just had to write it down. I was there. I took meticulous notes. I had tons and tons of notebooks as well. And then I had them long after I graduated because I just felt like I had invested so much energy in making them that I was like, I can't get rid of these things. Exactly. And like, what if you need them? Yeah. I mean, granted, I have a little bit of a different case because I'm still in school. But even then, I was like, I haven't touched any of these. I'll take, I'll pick up a binder, blow off the thick layer of dust and be like, oh, (laughs) it was from these three classes. I haven't opened this since I last wrote in it. I never referred to them because I'm not the person to study in that regard. Yeah. So like it was literally the move to the States that forced my hand, like mm. the unexpected situations that had me here that resulted in my like, oh, well, I don't have a choice. I no longer have those. But I'll tell you one thing. It's been 10 years. Never once missed him. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, man, boy, you were never like, boy, howdy, if only I had my notes from business 202 class. Oh, man, shucks, Buster. I wish I had that. Like, but you did that most likely if you were the smart, studious person that I might assume that you were. You probably referred to them and studied with them. Mm-hmm. I know I sure as hell didn't. I had but a like, whole such like, I like every this, at the start of every class, I'd pull out three different pens i had a black a blue and a red and i had like a whole system where like the main part of my note i would be like writing in black and then the the kind of the bullet point details to it would be in blue so i could easily just go down and be like black is like the new heading of something okay cool and then the blue is the meat and then if there was something particularly like within there that i needed to know then i'd highlight or underline that in red and so I had like a whole three color prond system every class. So I was sitting there as I'm taking notes, switching pens to like write. Okay, now it's in black. Okay, now it's in blue. Oh, let me grab the red because this part's important here. Uh, yeah. So I had a, I had a whole approach to everything. I was also like the biggest um, five star junkie, like the the um, school supply stuff. Five star, oh. five star notebooks, five star binders, five star pencil. You know, it was all the the pricey stuff, but it was like really good quality stuff that like, you know, just had like all the little like like almost like a James Bond gadget system here where you could just like <laughs> set up stuff. So I had a whole whole routine there, and I was so meticulous in it. And uh, and and I remember, uh, funny enough, different times, but I remember everybody would say uh, back then. Uh, Michael, you write like a girl, uh, because my writing was so neat, right? Oh. And so it was like you, uh. you, you. That's what I'm saying. Different times, right? But it's you. Yes. You write like a girl, quote unquote, because my writing was so neat. Uh, whereas now my writing's a mess <laughs> because I don't. I don't often actually have to write anything down, like physically anymore with a pen. But I was so. I was so like meticulous, like my, my, everything had to be well-written, beautifully like scribed out different colors. My notes were the, the notes that everybody would come to borrow. Like if they missed class, like, Oh, can I photocopy your notes? Uh, such, su- such a waste of time. Jeez. <laughs> like, I mean, fair. I, I didn't do that. I wrote with pen to force myself to write slower so that I would actually be able to read and understand my notes if I ever needed to refer to them. Uh, but I was never meticulous in that regard. I did it to keep myself awake. Uh, if if I could have sat through the whole class without falling asleep, I wouldn't have taken notes. Oh, dude, I, uh, I would find a spot in the class where I would have like the, the, the spot next to me would also be free. Because I would like every class I'd show up because I always had the morning classes because I'd work in the afternoon. And I'd bring my thermos and I'd have like a, a an herbal like blueberry tea or some sort of like a mixed berry one so i'd i at the start of every class i'd lay out my 
my notebook, pull out my pens, get them all set up <laughs> to start. <laughs> I'd o- open my thermos, pour myself my tea. The steam would be coming off the little like thermos cap, you my know, to it. God. And I'm all set up there. Everything's, you know, I got the notebook um, or the textbook open to whatever chapter we're going over that day. And I'm sitting there ready to write and sipping my tea. And I'm just, I got like my little spread all around me. And then, uh, you know, the, the mad, a rush to quickly pack everything up when the class would end because I had to get it all packed up so that I could make it to the next class so that I could lay it all out again. <laughs> okay. You know, I was going to call you a nerd and be very disparaging, but I'm also still in school probably for the reasons why I, uh, because how I studied and how I did everything. So I can't judge you in that regard because you graduated, you have a doctor, you have 400 million jobs, and I don't. So uh, that's that's my – that's because of me. So I, I can't judge you for it. But uh, one thing I can – one thing I can judge us for is that we actually didn't technically start the episode. You did the preamble in regards to explaining what the uh, how the show works, but nobody, <laughs> nobody ever from the tops of the hill – hilltops, from the tops of the hills – Cried, cried out to the world by the eternal. Behold. Behold. Oh, that's right. true. Yeah, drop the ball. We never introduced that this was the <laughs> Shane is going to be so disappointed. <laughs> and that I was Michael. <laughs> and I'm Doc. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like the best way to end the episode is to actually formally start the episode. We've done that a couple of times. So it's not like we're really going off the rails here. Uh, in regards to not actually formally starting an episode, uh, and if I was if I was motivated, I would put the intro music here. Listen, but I'm still, uh, we still did an intro, pretty much. I'm still hung enough, over so. from the celebrations of Doc Day. Okay. Oh God! <laughs> oh jeez! Oh. Did you like that? I sent you the text message from my mom. I mean, it was it was fantastic. <laughs> yep. She even included the video of of, of the conception. Uh, but no, no, she didn't. Thank God. That no. that would be a little too no, a little too much. You gotta uh, sign on to the OnlyFans for that one, bud. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. I, I I I'm not an OnlyFans uh, subscriber. I'm not an OnlyFans creator. I I don't I don't deal with the social medias. Regardless of what, I don't deal with it. Though, I will say one of the last things I'll say before we start talking and getting getting out of here is that um one of my next episodes that I'm thinking of writing is going to be. Uh, dealing with social media because I had and I, I had a thought um, as to how I want to structure another episode, uh, and I'm kind of excited for it. Are you uh, on? But I'm not gonna. Now? No. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, though I though based off of a uh, a tweet that I saw earlier today, not many people are. <laughs> I it was it was a big old fad. Yeah, I I did sign up for it day before yesterday or whatever, just because uh, I've never had like a Twitter. So I thought, well, that's fair. So I was like, well, if this is the new Twitter, let me check it out. I, I also <laughs> listened to a, an episode of Today Explained. You know, like I think it's like NPR related. Um, fair, but they uh, they did a little thing on Threads, and so I I listened to that, which then inspired me to go download the app. And then what's humorous about it is the guy on it because they were talking about you know it was a quality app, and he said oh, the algorithm's kind of like not so great at showing you what. It thinks you want to see, but it's stuff. And then then he referenced somebody. I can't even remember who, but like some thing on the app. He's like, as an example, I would say 40% of my thread feed is this, whatever the thing is. 
uh, named. And he's like, and I don't know what that is, who that is. The posts aren't funny. Like, I don't want to see that stuff, but it keeps showing me it. So the reason why I mentioned this is, and I don't remember the stupid thing's name now, but so I sign up for Thread. And I'm like, okay, well, let me check it out here and see what the new Twitter 2.0 is. And uh, and the thing that the guy had been talking about is showing up in my news feed. And I'm like, he's like, the thing the guy was complaining about is in my thread feed. And I'm like, he's right. These aren't funny jokes. Why am I seeing this? But it was just very humorous because I'm like, this is literally the thing the guy was complaining about. So it was like a, a comedian of sorts or yeah, was it just – Yeah, like a comedian or a, or maybe a company that posts joke meme or like a – jokes and stuff like wendy's or something like it, man if it was like an actual like uh business account uh like that the, they used to do that on twitter that I, I they might still do it now but i don't follow anyone that follows them but like that was a, a thing for a while is that like uh what was it candy bar companies and and fast food mm. companies would talk to each other like the most recent one i remembered was uh during the grimace birthday grimace air quotes, took over the McDonald's app and he would just post random stuff about wanting chicken nuggets and stuff. Uh, and, yeah, and I know that like that was really big on threads uh, that like a lot of uh, corporate accounts started just posting massively over there like Arby's and whatnot. Yeah, suffice to say, I hopped on it. I didn't actually create a thread myself. I scrolled through it for <laughs> all of two or three minutes and uh, then the app is sat dormant since. Um, <laughs> But I did uh, follow you and I get the little pop up that says like that I will uh, automatically like uh, be following you when you create your thread. Oh, I was like, why? How are you following me? I didn't create a thread. Well, it's, but it's tied through Instagram. It's through Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I forgot that I still have an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't touched that since I was single. So that was years ago. Um, yeah, I it's so also just just so you know because i had heard this from people on the social medias i.e twitter because that's the only thing i really do any anymore uh you can't delete your threads account it is tied intertwined with your instagram as it were so the only way you can delete your threads is if you delete your instagram so so honestly that so like very much like threads except instagram i've had technically i've had an account for i don't know probably close to 10 years now but very much like threads, uh, my Instagram has the exact same number of posts as my threads account has, as I have never once loaded anything to Instagram either. So, uh. so I could really care less if I had to delete my Instagram account. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of social medias that have no, uh, engagement as it were, uh, we have them as a podcast. We, don't really use them, but we have them and you can follow them. Uh, we have a link tree down below that you can click and, and see all of our glorious things. Mainly, you can use it to connect to our YouTube if you aren't listening to us through YouTube as uh, as you are right now. Um, and we usually do things like After Darks, which we post on Fridays because this comes out on Monday. Uh, I just had some sweat drip off my beard onto my hand. That was very disgusting. Uh, but we, we, we do the random odd thing. And if it's not this exact episode, uh, we usually just post it on YouTube. Uh, will there be an after dark this week? Uh, probably not, but you know, we usually do one here and there. So uh, tune in, you know, hit, hit, hit the subscribe. 
Uh, I'm not going to do the whole bit that I usually do whenever we do After Darks because this isn't the After Darks. Uh, but yeah, we have those socials. You should hit, you know, engage with us in any way, shape, or form. Leave a review. We love to hear from you. Uh, we're usually popping on your provider apps every Monday morning. Uh, and I, I think, I think I covered all the, all the little things that Shane does. Um, so do you, with that, uh, do you have any last minute things you'd like to throw in? Because I'd, I'd say we, we've, we've done a pretty good episode. Not as schizophrenic as last week, which I'll admit was entirely my fault. Um, but still. For both last week and this week, good conversations all around. Yes, I agree. I enjoyed being a listener last week. Hopefully Shane will enjoy being a listener. I, I have <laughs> no doubt he will shake his head and be yelling at the uh, headphones there that you haven't introduced yourselves. <laughs> yeah, just gesturing. Con! <laughs> Instead of that, it'll be Doc! <laughs> Because that rolls off the tongue better than Mike, so yeah, so, but, yeah we'll go with that. No, but, but well done, and I agree. Everybody engage. Uh, it's always nice to hear from you all, and I enjoy hopping in the comments and sparring back and forth when applicable. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, same deal. Let us know what your thoughts are on the Choose Your Own Adventure history, biology, and physics textbooks that will be coming to your university library soon. And just so you are all remember, we are the Disinformed Podcast, so take that as you will with that little tidbit of information. Uh, yeah. You explained the joke, Michael. I mean, that is what I do. Uh, as, as I used to joke, I, I beat dead horses with dead horses because I don't like to leave jokes unexplained. That's that's just my shtick. I, it, it bothers me. I, it keeps me up at night when I'm... Either that or you, you, my you, own sweat. That's right. I was going to say, it keeps you up at night just lying in a puddle of your own sweat. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I don't wish a lot of things on people I dislike, but I, I, I wouldn't wish people lying in their own sweat. It's just not something I... I don't want anyone to have to deal with that. Like, I, I, I want people to be able to enjoy their rest uh, and, and not feel like they went out to go swim and then jumped on be- jumped into bed and fell asleep. Like, no one needs to experience that in their lives. And with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's a good thing to end on. Yeah. Uh, so, with that, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, I'm Michael. And I'm Doc. And zippity zooper out of here. 